Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm your host, David Delaney, joined today with a podcast regular, which is always exciting. Steve Benson, founder and CEO of Badger Maps. How are you doing today, sir? Fantastic, David. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. I mean, this is really exciting. Steve, you came on a couple of years ago. We had a great talk. If you guys haven't listened to that one, go into the archives and dive into that one. Steve, you recently, you know, coming through this crisis, put together a LinkedIn learning course, which is really interesting. I definitely recommend everybody go and check it out. A lot of stuff happening at Badger Maps. The course was on actions that sales leaders need to take in a recession because it looks like, you know, if we're not going into a recession, we're going into a depression (laughs) or the other. I'm pretty depressed, but (laughs) what can we do, man, besides buying Badger Maps and going to your LinkedIn course? (laughs) What can we do to course correct right now? Because I think everybody's freaking out a little bit. Yeah, well, I guess we'll try to cover a lot of the stuff that I covered in that course today. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, this is a, a difficult time, right? And there are a lot of new challenges that we need to overcome and, and specifically sales managers because they're the revenue source of the company. This is, a you know, if they're not making money, people aren't getting paid. And so this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for the economy, you know, and being a great sales manager in these times, it's you have to be motivating, you have to empower your employees, you have to train them better, you have to get them ready to, to attack this market, you have to communicate well. And sometimes in a tough time like this, you have to be able to make some tough changes. 100%. And, and what are some of the new challenges, you know, that they need to overcome as we go into this situation? Well, I, I guess there are a couple challenges that are new and shifts in the landscape that are going to occur. First, desperate competitors doing desperate things. You know, a lot of companies are really hurting right now and they're willing to do things that they wouldn't necessarily have done before and they're going to act differently. So things like liquidating their inventory to so that they can keep making ends meet, right? And get, so just selling their stuff really cheap, giving things away that they normally wouldn't have given away, really trying to steal market share from you. So you've got to be ready for that. Also not just in the competitive front, but with your customers, you're going to face new challenges. You know, there's going to be resistance from customers that didn't used to be there, you know, not wanting to engage with your product or service, not wanting to, not wanting to meet in person. If someone didn't want to meet you before, now they have the best excuse ever, right? Well, I guess we all, we all have excuses for anything, for any failure you want at this point, right? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, excuses don't pay mortgages, so we got we to gotta power through it, right? But your customers are going to have resistance to pay, spending money. They may be under a spending freeze from the top of their organization. You're going to have to deal with procurement offices that are being much more aggressive. We've seen this for sure already at Badger Maps, but, you know, aggressive procurement offices, like really looking to leverage what's going on to get discounts, better terms, and, and generally jam down margins. 
You have to prepare your reps for these negotiations and be ready for the changing landscape. Yeah. And so what should we be doing? I mean, the reps are coming to us with these challenges and we have to have these calls week after week. Are there some things that sales you know, managers should be doing? Well, yeah, I'd say, well, I just mentioned negotiation. That's probably like negotiation training. So if you have a product with tight margins, you may want to really think about teaching or tightening, I guess I would say margins. I would really think about training your reps in negotiation and how to hold ground, how to refocus on the value of the product that you sell or the service you have. You know, I guess there's also things that you need to change as a leader. You need to an economic crisis is probably the hardest time to be a sales leader because let you know the company needs revenue and and everyone's looking at you right so you know you have to be more responsive with your reps you have to you know be able to confront reality and be action oriented with it so give an honest assessment of the organization and what ch- what challenges it's facing embrace the bad news you know be willing to ask the hard questions Reps are going to need more support from you. You know, your reps are scared. They're worried about their jobs. You know, their their commission checks are evaporating, and you know it's, they're under pressure to pay their mortgage and keep keep their lives afloat. Right. So they, you need to guide them, coach them. It's so easy to be silent and hide behind our office or den or whatever, and and not be out in front of customers and your reps. But you really need to be proactive in this time and not go silent like that. You have to keep your ear to the ground as a leader now more than ever. Like, know what's going on on the ground level and understand what your reps are going through, what challenges they're seeing, so that you can help them navigate and be successful in these times. And you know, if they're coming to you and they're just like, "Look, Steve, I'm out of ideas, man." (laughs) You know, they're just like, "I've tried everything, you know, and I'm facing all these headwinds. I'm not making my number." what do I do? I mean, how do you go about just sort of diagnosing that situation? Because we've all been there where you're just, you're out of ideas, man. You're just like, I, can't, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. This is a time where you have to spend half of your time coaching your team and helping them through this time and, and getting them successful because it's going to be a tough time to be as successful, to sell as much. So it's, you know, Helping them be proactive, sharpen their sword, and get better in these times is really, really important. So, yeah, I'd say spend half your time doing that. And it's like, no, you have anything better to do, right? So, coach your team. (laughs) And, you know, this might be just more pre call strategizing, debriefing after calls, joining calls that your reps are going on, you know, any kind of coaching you can give around individual opportunities. But just, you know, try to add up your time back of the envelope, make sure you're spending a ton of time doing this. And, you know, different teams probably need different things to be coached. I mean, obviously, if you're in a tight margin industry, it's different than if you're in a thicker margin industry, like that, depending on what the business landscape looks for you. But I think negotiation training is something that everyone could revisit right now, specifically how to defend margins, how to sell value. Everybody could freshen up on that. Pipeline building, I think now is a, in terms of where you can spend activity successfully right now, a lot of people, it's, it's building your pipeline. You know, you might have to rethink who you're selling to, who is our ideal customer profile now, and it might be slightly different than it was in, in February, right? And so you have to rethink that ideal customer profile. But yeah, that's, I think coaching and pipeline building and rethinking with your team how to attack the market is the way you can approach that. 
that strategy. And, you know, right there, those three is your whole day. I mean, if you've got more than two or three people on your team and, you know, it made me think there's a bunch of, it's a great opportunity right now because there's a bunch of the conversational intelligence, you know, programs that you just plug into your Zoom call and then they're recording and analyzing, you know, how the call went for the manager. And they can go back and look at that and go, okay, geez, we really need negotiation training or we need to say this and that more often. So that seems like a great opportunity since everybody's at home, right? Yeah. And tools like that can be really cool. And, you know, they can aggregate and find every time you said a certain word or something came up, but like the word discount or something. But I think nothing can replace the time spent, you know, on the same call with your rep, your rep leading the call and you just listening while they're interacting with the customer. The coaching opportunities that come out of that are, are often Huge. incredible. They used to call that dashboard time because you actually had to drive out to the, to right. the place and, and it was the manager or the rep well, right. in the car, you know, just talking about how it went and stuff. Yeah, I think, I think there's not enough of the that, office, right? In the office when Dwight Schrute went out with, uh, what's the guy's <laughs> name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I used to watch that show. I think that that's something that field sales reps get that inside sales reps often don't. Like a manager never sits down, you know, at the screen with them and with an inside sales rep all day and just like hangs out with them and the bonding and the coaching and field sales reps. That was just part of the job. It's like, yeah, my boss does a ride along every X period of time. It's almost like mentorship. Most salespeople that I'm working with are still in that world, right? I mean, obviously in, in the world of software, we don't do that much field sales just because the price points have fallen and it's not, you know, but with SaaS software, you often don't want to have a field salesperson. The way I started my career was field sales selling software. That's when software deals were, software was much more expensive back in the day. But today it's still in a lot of, in a lot of industries, you know, because of that, the importance of relationships and they go to market with field salespeople. And, you know, for obviously, you know, all my customers at Badger Maps are all field salespeople. That's the group of people that we help. I think this is something that we all, it's whether you have an inside team or an outside team, recognize that you're not getting that FaceTime right now and coaching needs to happen. And that's, you need to do virtual ride-alongs, even if you can't go on a real ride-along. hundred percent. And it's even more challenging now because we're separated, you know, not even in the office. So we're talking negotiation for sure, building pipeline, and then the coaching and mentorship that used to be offered, but is now it's all in the digital format. And one thing I've noticed, Steve, is that when it comes to that prospecting and building the pipeline, that people are more likely to pick up the phone right now because they're at home and there's more time, it seems. I don't know what the reason is, but how do we coach to the phone again when people sort of went digital and now the phone is actually becoming a good prospecting tool. Yeah. You know, it's funny you should bring this up. Good observation. I've, I've seen that too. And, I, and I'm not sure if this is universal, but we've definitely seen that on our side as well. But I think, you know, it's a great time to be open to change and to, because people are picking up the phone basically you want to leverage that use the phone more right sometimes sales isn't isn't genius work right but <laughs> like people are picking up the phone we should use that they're you know yeah. i think people are lonely they're you know they're trapped in their office or their den all day and i know i'm more likely to pick up the phone right now and i almost never pick up the phone anymore because of all the spam calls and stuff but, but you know i think it's just it's one of these things right it's just the times we're in 
So I guess, how do you approach this? You think about changing the structure of your sales team into people who's creating some people whose job it exclusively is to call, make outbound calls. And this is something we've done a really good job of in the software industry in general, but hasn't spread to all industries where you break up the sales role into multiple roles. Those roles being someone that's making outbound calls. We call that a sales development rep, SDR. Someone that's getting those, once that SDR find, gets someone on the, on the phone and it is someone who's interested and they're a qualified lead, the SDR passes that to an account executive, the person who's actually the AE. You know, they're actually responsible for closing the deal, you know, managing the whole sales cycle. And then once the sale is made, it gets passed to a customer success rep whose job is to focus on the success of the customer. And this is something that is very common practice in software. Aaron Ross wrote the book on this. I had him on my podcast, Outside Sales Talk, not too long ago. And he wrote a book called Predictable Revenue, where, which, where really it kind of breaks out this whole process and how to think about it, how to measure it. I'd really recommend that book, as well as his book after that, Impossible to Inevitable, I thought was really good. But yeah, in, in terms of people are picking up the phone, so you have this opportunity to generate leads so get those SDRs focused on lead generation, having them call the prospects. I read a survey, and this is like right before coronavirus, said that one third of salespeople don't prospect at all. And whenever I see that, I'm like, that's a team that either needs to hire some SDRs to do prospecting and break, break that role off, or they should retool some of the people on their team and say, oh, this 20% of the, this team is awesome at this. So I'm going to have them do it for everybody and, and revenue will go up. So. I think that's how you take advantage of that, the way people are picking up phones right now. 100%. That's interesting because, you know, obviously we focus really heavily on the, the sales development space and it's sort of a given that that's how the teams are structured, you know, in the software industry. But yeah, like you said, when you go outside of the software industry, it's either not really that well known or they just maybe have different names for it or they outsource, you know, this SDR function to like business process outsourcer and stuff like that. They just don't have the sort of machine that you're describing. I think up. it's just, yeah. it's Aaron Ross, you know, the first big, you know, SaaS company was Salesforce. And, you know, that was before there were 15 other CRM systems that were cloud systems that were just as good, but Salesforce is the first one. And, you know, Aaron Ross was running that element of sales for them. And because that you know, it's like the people that worked there went and worked at the next group of 10 SaaS companies that, and those people went and worked at the next hundred. And so it, it, the idea all came from there and it just, it, it was proven to work. And so this whole industry does it like that. Yeah. And just, you know, I want to ask you about, about phone prospecting, but do you think that there's applicability there to other industries that are not, you know, SaaS? Absolutely. I would say everyone should experiment with breaking up their sales role into these different pieces. And it's going to be slightly different in different industries. Maybe in, maybe you only break into two groups in one industry and you'd need five in another industry. And there are kind of four that we always do in software, I'd say. If you don't have a different person kind of managing the existing relationships in a lot of industries, you're going to force your AEs to overspend time on existing customers. And they're probably not as good. It's just a hunter mentality versus a farmer mentality. If someone's more of a farmer and great at like making the customer successful, they're an expert in the product, they help the customer get everything they can out of the product. That's a great person to put in charge of upsells and, you know, the continued relationship. But if someone's more of a hunter, have them hunt and close new deals. 100%. 
100%. And so let me ask you this, as far as phone prospecting, like if they're thinking about, okay, we got to, we want to get an SDR or repurpose somebody, how do they approach that? Should they leave a message? And the reason I ask is I get like 20 calls a day and the people just hang up without leaving a message. And I just know that that's spam. And it seems like if they did leave a message, at least I would know who they were. And if I was challenged with that issue, that I would call them back. What are your yeah, I, th- I think some people do more. I think everyone should leave a message, not necessarily every time you make a call to the same person. <laughs> you know, if you've left a message before, you don't need to leave one, another one three days later, right? But whereas you might call again three days later on a good lead or one day later. But I'd say definitely leave some messages. And, you know, a lot of CRM systems make this automated now, like where it, all you have to do is click a button and it'll play your recorded message. If it's not a message that you, you need to shift and change based on who you're calling and which is obviously always optimal. But yeah, I mean, there's like in the CRM that we use, our reps can just click a button and it leaves the message that's pre-recorded for them and they can just move on to the next thing. And the software just keeps running in the background doing that. Got it. Okay. And then, you know, how should they change, you know, their messaging? I mean, obviously, you know, the people that they're calling have very different concerns than three months ago. And you mentioned this before, do we have to go back and rewrite all the scripts and redo the playbook and everything in this new reality? Yeah, this is such an important thought, I think. Great question. You know, I don't necessarily think you have to rewrite all your scripts or change your whole playbook, but it's almost like a lot of the details are the same, but the headline message that you're giving to customers should be revisited. It's a different world today than it was five months ago. And I think, you know, if at the end of 2019, a certain message works, doesn't mean it's the right message. And when I say like message, I mean like your two sentence elevator pitch, the first, you know, descriptions of what you do on your website. I think you might want to revisit that. And I think what I see a lot, and so we just did this, and what I see a lot is people's messaging is, we'll help you do better. We'll help you be more successful. We'll help you improve you know, X, Y, and Z. And everyone wanted to improve. You know, At the end of 2019, you know, we're coming off, what, eight years of a good economy and things are going great. Like Everyone wants to just improve things. Everyone's kind of fat and happy and you know, we're loving life. But I think that messaging... Now it's like, we want to keep the, keep the wheels on the bus, right? And I think that messaging of, hey, we'll help you improve a little bit isn't necessarily what people need. I think you should shift your messaging from, we'll help you do better to something more along the lines of, we'll help you do more with less. And you need to then go about showing, that's the headline, but then you need to go about showing your prospects how much in terms of dollars you will help them do more and less. And could be less money, could be less manpower, could be less resources. We just did this. I'll use me as, a, as an example. So if you went to our website in 2019, or if you, you know, if you asked one of our reps, what does Badger Maps do? You know, they would tell you, Badger Maps will you sales, help you sell 20% more with the field sales tool, team, right? So then you're probably we'll you losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects now, at the right time, the message with the right shifts to with, with Badger Maps, your outside you sales team can generate Start the same your free revenue today. Go to VanillaSoft. even though your team is 20% smaller because a lot of sales teams are just 20% smaller, right? But in general, the messaging, everyone's kind of feeling this pinch and you want to say, hey, even though times are bad, 
we're going to help you get back to even like we're going to, we're going to help keep the wheels on the bus right now. And there's a huge difference between those two messages, even though if you step back, they're essentially saying the same thing. Like we're going to help you do, you know, 20% better. But one of the messages is really going to resonate a lot better with your customers. So if this seems to resonate with you, I would just open up your website and look at it really quick and just like think about is our messaging still 2019 and not 2020? And if so, could I make it more? I'm going to help you do more with less. Oh man, you're giving me all this homework now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to hear that now. No, I, I agree though. I mean, you're just tone deaf if you're trying to say the same things as even just a few months ago. So we got a lot of work to do here. I think it's like we going into this recession have to work, you know, 10 times harder to get the same result, you know, as we're going through this. See? Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the advice, you know, that you're giving your team right now as you go and try to rejigger your own process? I'd say keeping people's spirits high, trying to communicate how to approach customers right now. I think our relationships are changing. I think as a leader, just communicating is so the way you're communicating and what you're communicating, and you just need to do a lot more of it in a time of crisis. You know, people's imaginations can get the best of them, and especially within a large team. And there's a lot of gossip of impending doom and some evidence of impending doom. <laughs> and it's powerful. It travels quickly and it can lead to, you know, rash employee decisions or morale problems. And as a sales leader, especially, I think, because your team is the team where the rubber hits the road, right? And it's really important to communicate in the team in a way that's transparent. You've got to be realistic, You've got to be optimistic. You need to give them a action plan that will allow them to put their fears aside, allow them to keep their confidence high and allow them to focus on selling. hundred percent. And, you know, communication is getting tougher here because we're all from working from home. How frequently do you as, you know, the CEO communicate and what are some of the channels, you know, that you use to be effective there? So, you know, we do a lot of Zoom meetings. We don't make people keep their cameras on or anything because sometimes that can be a little draining, but we're doing more like full team meetings where, you know, I, I try to give a update on the state of the company, state of the economy, how we're doing, what I'm projecting, the way I, what I see happening. And, you know, some of those are hard conversations because I'm not giving, you know, like, especially in, in April, I wasn't giving great news, right? But I think it's important to be transparent and to show people, hey, there's a plan. Here is the immediate term plan. Here's the midterm plan. Here's the long term plan. Here's how they change based on these different external factors. If it's a small recession, this is how it's going to go. And this is what we're going to do. If it's prolonged and deeper, this is how it's going to go. People need to feel comfortable that you've got your hands on, on the wheel and that they can know what to expect. I'm communicating with the different leaders in, on the different teams at Badger regularly. Like, I mean, not daily necessarily, but you know, a couple times a week with each one of them and just so I can keep my finger on, on the pulse of everything that's going on. I would say if you are managing, if you're a frontline manager and you're, and you're managing teams that are like doing the real work, like sales on a daily basis, you want to have daily huddles, maybe even a two time a day huddle. And you know, obviously if someone's got a meeting going on or something at the same time, they can't come. But I try to get that cadence where you know, even if you're just meeting for 10 minutes, 
bring the team together, you know, get them charged up, keep them focused on what the key performance indicators are, see how everyone has, so they can see how they're doing, how everyone else is doing. But yeah, I think, you know, communication is so important right now. Yeah. So important. Do you think that there's even the possibility of over communicating right now? I mean, I know you got to let people like, how do you find the balance of like, okay, I'm going to let you do your job here, but we're going to have a meeting, you know, about everything that's going on in order to like, how do you find that balance between? Yeah. And this is always you definitely a challenge. Don't you don't want to crawl under a rock and suck your thumb. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but on the other hand, you, you want to not overly, you know, communicate so that they're just like, dude, this is too much. Yeah. I think I wouldn't worry about over communicating. I mean, you would be sick of yourself. You'll get sick of yourself before other people get sick of you because you know, you're having the same conversations. If you're a frontline manager, for example, you're having the same conversations with lots of people and or an upper level manager. You're, you'll hear yourself saying the same things over and over again before, before it'll bother them because you've, for you to, if you have eight reports and you've said, it, said something eight times, you feel like you've said it eight times, but they're only hearing it once. So I, I wouldn't worry about over-communicating. Yeah. Yeah. I heard somebody told me that, or I heard somewhere that you have to say something to somebody seven times for them to remember it. <laughs> so <laughs> if you've got a hundred employees times seven, wow, that's a lot. So Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> and in different, in, in different ways, right? You got talking about email and talk over email and phone, you know, Zoom meetings and presentations and all, you know, it, I think in general, as a leader, you want to be giving more positive news than negative news. And that's hard in a time of crisis, right? So you got to find the bright spots. You have to point out what's working, you know, talk about the opportunities and it's challenging. That's funny. It also reminded me, I heard somebody say they heard a manager, you know, complaining about having too many meetings and always being in meetings. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, like, that's our job. Our job mm-hmm. is to go to meetings and talk about things and then do what them you, and come back what, and talk about them What is it that again. you think you do here? Yeah. <laughs> As oh, a leader, sorry. your job is to basically communicate and have meetings. Right. <laughs> Train coach. I mean, we just implemented this week, actually, and we just announced this to the whole team. We're taking away meetings on Tuesdays, like in any internal company meetings, because people felt like, there were just too many meetings that were breaking up their day too much. And so we're trying to, we were just clearing Tuesday for like more deep work type activities. Hopefully that, that'll kind of give us a better balance on that. Yeah, I think it's a, that is good to, um, I did that a while ago. It's just having themes, you know, for the day. So it's like today's prospecting day and then tomorrow's meeting day and the next day's, you know, et cetera. Because I think it's very easy for people to, just be bouncing like a ping pong ball all day. And then you didn't get anything done and you've been working for 12 hours, you know? Yeah. You can end up too reactive. It's so easy to focus on the, you know, the old Eisenhower matrix, you know, it's easy to focus on the unimportant, but urgent and forget about things that are important, but not urgent. If you don't brick out those important, but not urgent things on your calendar, it's very easy to forget about those that's a good, that's actually a good reminder. And if you, if you haven't heard of that, Google the Eisenhower matrix, because that, that is a great way to just orient yourself to where, what you're doing during the day and just be like, Hey dude, I'm stuck in the non-productive quadrant right now. Let me ask you this, Steve, do you use any kind of system as far as running the company? Like that people, a lot of people use OKRs and 
I can't remember, even remember, objective knowledge results or something like that, whatever that means. <laughs> but some kind of system for running the company where it's like, we have a meeting every quarter, everybody gets their goals, you come back and report like at a high level. What do you do for that type of stuff? You know, there are different approaches here. I just saw a great article about how to cadence out a company by David Sachs the other recently about on this topic, like how to cadence out your snapping. I'm not going to do him justice, but it's similar to what we do, except he had a little extra structure on top of it. I guess, you know, we do have, you know, company goals that the management team and I agree to at the beginning of the year. And then each manager of different teams states their goals and those goals support the company goals. And then each manager under them or each individual contributor under them, their goals roll up to ultimately the frontline contributor, their goals roll up to their management team or their line of business's goals. And the the line of business then rolls up to the company goals. And we report on that quarterly and or monthly, I guess it's kind of month, month, month and that three months adds to a quarter. You got to be disciplined. Yeah. David Sachs's main point in this article, so you don't have to read it, was that finance and sales should be one cycle and that should be a quarterly cycle that syncs up with the financial calendar. So either, you know, whenever your year end is and then quarters being quarters going forward from that. And then the marketing and product team should have a different cadence or cycle, certain kind of a different circadian rhythm, if you would, the, and it should be offset perfectly with the sales and finance one. So they, the big product release and marketing blitz occurs a month and a half into the financial quarter. And so the two just kind of keep repeating you know, every quarter. And so you, you measure everything quarterly and the cycles are offset, finance and sales together, ending on the 31st of every quarter. And, and then the product marketing being in the middle. That's hardcore. It was a level up of organization from where we're at, but I liked what he was saying. Yeah. It's interesting because there's this program called EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. They talk about how most companies, there's like a visionary and an integrator. And the visionary is kind of the founder, usually, who came up with the idea of the company. But they need that integrator, which is like this super hardcore operator type of person who crosses all the T's, dots all the I's. I, I, I'm a visionary, obviously. And they keep everybody in line on one of those systems, you know, like the cadence that he's talking about and stuff. Yeah. Like that. And so I think everybody, yeah. everybody runs around saying how they to need both. to see. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to be both people. It's kind of a different view of the world. And I think it's why every visionary type CEO is always running around talking about how they need a COO so badly. But I think it's a COO often just brings this type of discipline to an organization where you get everyone kind of marching to the same tune. And so even if you're on the visionary side, I certainly am, you know, myself, obviously, but the, you can get people marching to the beat of a drum and with some regularity and it may take bringing in someone else to accomplish that who's, you know, who's high up and a leader in the organization. Or, I mean, you could just, you can implement the discipline yourself. But it's, Yeah, it's, and then just bringing it back to the sales manager, or even the SDR manager, you know, it's hard to be both of those, you know? So it's like an art and a science, you know? So the art is the coaching and the scripting and like listening to customers and, you know, the squishy stuff of sales, you know, the soft skills. But then also on the science side, like you got to be that hardcore, like implementer looking at the data, like listening to calls and, 
all that stuff and, and running reports and stuff like that. And it seems like people get, they gravitate toward whatever they're most comfortable with. And there's pluses and minuses of both. If you're really that analytical, hardcore person, then you're just, that's great. You got great reports, great dashboards and all this stuff, but you're not connecting with the team as much. Mm -hmm. If you're just that squishy, you know, feeling person, you're just coaching all day, but your sales force is all effed up and you don't have any reports and you know what I mean? Yeah. I think great business leaders have to have both. I've always had had disdain for what I've I've always referred to as spreadsheet managers who just look at the numbers and tell people, okay, can we get a 3% rise in cell B4 for next month? Great guys. Talk to you later. <laughs> I think that's what I'm talking about. It's important to know like what's going on in cell B4, but to be able to then translate that into therefore, here's our goal guys to get this up. And therefore here's the strategy that we're going to take to accomplish that. Here are the individual actions that we're going to do. and so to teach us to do those actions, this is what we're going to be trained on right now to develop those key skills. 100%. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, more homework for you. Do sort of a SWOT analysis. You know, if you're a sales manager, where are you stronger? And then where are you weak? If you're weak on the analytical stuff, then you need help. You need to go get, don't be so full of yourself to, you know, not ask for help because nobody can be everything, but you got to be both you know, in order to be, you know, successful. So absolutely. Yep. Well, Steve, this has been great, man. I'm chock full and I got a whole page of notes here. I Googled, by the way, everybody, I Googled cadence, David Sachs. David Sachs was the guy who built, it was not Twitter. It was like something like that. Like he was at PayPal, if I recall. PayPal. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's where he was. He's like one of these guys that runs around the valley and is a big deal and says smart things. And <laughs> one of those names you hear. One of those names you hear a lot. And so I don't know a ton about him, but I, I'm pretty sure it was PayPal. Yeah. So it looks like there was. He did a presentation that's on YouTube just like a few days ago on this that looks really good. So there's your homework, everybody. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. Full of notes here, tons of takeaways. And how do we get in touch with you? We want to learn more about Badger Maps and your LinkedIn course. Yeah. If you're looking to get in touch with me, LinkedIn's a great way to do it. Just search Steve Benson, Badger Maps. There's a lot of Steve Bensons out there, apparently. But uh, <laughs> but if it's Badger Maps that you're interested in learning more about and you have a field sales team or you are in field sales, when you just you know go to the website, it's probably the best way to get in touch with us. And it's got all the information there. And when you talk to someone on the team, just give them the code podcast 20 for enduring talking to me. They'll give you, (laughs) or listening to me, they'll give you a couple months, two months to try out the Badger for free and kick the tires in the thing. Make sure it uh, is really worth it to you. Nice. Excellent. Well, Steve, thanks again. And thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. Thanks for having me. This has been fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum, 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.